the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The fall weather has been unbelievable with dry, crisp days and cool nights. It's wonderful to find a time to work outside. This is great working weather. Outside, we have the opportunity to enjoy Mother Nature, see the seasons change with the bright uh, foliage, the yellows, the reds, the oranges, present a great picture of autumn. And speaking about admiring the leaves as they change color, we also get our exercise later, waking up those very same leaves. And one of the tours this weekend should be to find that outdoor Halloween decoration. Uh, Halloween is just a week away, so we have to get get to work fast, but if you're like me, the decorations could be in the garage or in the barn. Uh, the best we can hope for is that we may have marked the boxes and bags as, as decorations, I hope. <laughs> and maybe we could take the time this weekend to check on what's happening in the economy and how it's impacting our financial plans and investments. This week, global equity markets were mixed. In the U.S., the three major Stock indices were volatile and up for the week. While in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up for the week in spite of the political turmoil with the resignation of Prime Minister Trust. While in the European Union, uh, both Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. While in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week. While in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Sen were both down for the week. On Friday, the three major stock indices closed at the Dow Jones at uh, 31,082.56. That would mean it was up 4.89% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 3,752. and that was up 4.74% for 
for the week, and the NASDAQ Composite closed at 10,859.72, and that was up 5.22% for the week. The U.S. stocks this week were up, uh, possibly for, for several possible reasons. Uh, some One of them would be uh, some of the Federal Reserve officials have begun signaling their desire to slow down the pace of rate increases and stop raising rates early next year to see how uh, their moves this year have been slowing the economy and inflation. Uh, Or maybe uh, some investors are worried about missing the year-end of the Santa Claus rally. Uh, November and December are generally good months for the stock market. Or maybe it's the earnings. Uh, So far, the third quarter earnings season is off to a decent start. Personally, I think it's the Federal Reserve. Uh, there will be a Federal Reserve Federal Open Market Committee meeting on November 1st and 2nd. And the expectation is that they'll increase the federal funds rate for the overnight rate again by three quarters of a percent at that meeting. But comments from several Federal Reserve officials recently show that members want to talk about uh, what's going to happen to rates in the near future. For example, St. Louis President, uh, Fed President uh, James Bullard and San Francisco's Fed uh, Chief Mary Daly both stressed the need to keep tightening policy with inflation at a 40-year high while suggesting more caution next year. Their comments at separate events on Friday came as officials were about to enter their blackout period ahead of their November first and second uh, uh, policy meeting. Both of them made clear that they expected discussion to be on the table at that gathering. In an interview with uh, the Wharton Business Radio, James Bullard said, quote, you've come off zero. You're gone to this much higher level in the policy rate. But once you're at the right level, then you just make minor adjustments at that point. Maybe to stay where you are, maybe to go a little higher based on the incoming data. He continued, this judgment about where you need to be to put meaningful pressure on inflation, I think that's a key part of the policy debate in the next two meetings, uh, citing models pointing to 45 uh, or 4.75% uh, rates and, and some bets in the marketplace for a 5% uh, uh, peak in the federal funds rate. Uh, Bullard is a voting member of the uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting this year. And Mary Daly, who's the president of the San Francisco Fed, uh, she spoke at a moderated discussion hosted by the University of California at Berkeley. She said that policymakers could start planning for a reduction in the size of rate increases, although it's not time to, quote, step down from uh, larger increases yet. Uh, she continues, it should at least be something we're considering at this point, but the data hasn't been cooperating. At the November meeting, uh, we might find ourselves with another three-quarters of a percent increase, but I would really recommend people don't take that away as it's uh, three-quarters of a percent forever. A uh, slowdown uh, to more incremental increases uh, of 50 to uh, 60, or 50 to 25 basis points would be appropriate as the federal Fed's benchmark rate gets closer to its terminal level for this hiking cycle. Uh, Fed forecast released last month showed officials expected rates to uh, reach 4.4% this year and 4.6% in 2023, suggesting the pace of hikes will slow to uh, half a percent or 50 basis points in December and then downshift to 25 basis points or a quarter of a percent early next year. Since then, disappointing news on inflation showing core consumer 
prices rise into a 40-year high of 6.6% in September have led some officials to suggest a higher peak may be needed to cool demand and reduce price pressures. Uh, quote, uh, we need to be thoughtful of how we uh, we need to be thoughtful in how restrictive we need to be, and that means we need to be data dependent said, uh, daily. And some other Federal Reserve officials also weighed in, according to Christopher Waller, uh, uh, he's a Fed governor. He said in a speech earlier this month, quote, we'll have a, we will have a very thoughtful discussion about the pace of tightening at our next meeting. That's the November meeting. Some officials have begun signaling their desire both to slow down the pace of increases soon and to stop raising rates early next year to see how their moves this year are slowing the economy. Uh, the markets rallied in July and August. Uh, this summer rally, if you remember, on expectations that the Fed would uh, might slow uh, the rate rises. And that conflicted with its, the uh, Federal Reserve's goals because the easier financial conditions stimulate spending and economic growth. So that summer rally prompted uh, Federal Chairman Jerome Powell to redraft a major speech in uh, late August to uh, tell investors uh, that uh, his inflation-fighting commitment. If you remember at that symposium, and uh, um, you know, the uh, it was in the Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming. You know, there was a bunch of uh, the symposium with the Federal Reserve officials, and at that point, he was originally on the uh, agenda for a 45-minute speech, but he cut it to 10 minutes. In those 10 minutes, he said, we have only one uh, priority at the Federal Reserve, and that is to conquer inflation. And uh, he gets through the experiences of the 1970s where uh, the Federal Reserve approached inflation with an on-again, off-again. Uh, approach and uh, inflation got totally out of hand by the end of the 1970s. Uh, got up to I think 14 or 15 percent, and at that time the Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker raised the overnight rates and the Fed funds rates up to 20 percent. You know we're talking about five or six percent, you know four or five or six percent here right now. Uh, basically, when you raise it to 20%, like they did in 1980 and 1981, you basically shut down the economy. uh, Unemployment got up to 10% during that recession. So, secured inflation for 40 years, but at a big price. So, at that Jackson Hole uh, uh, symposium, Powell made it perfectly clear that uh, we've got to conquer inflation now. Uh, if we let it go, it's going to be extremely difficult and costly to conquer in the future. So uh, we'll see what we'll see how all of this works out at their meeting in November the first and second. Uh, the minute, I don't know whether they, they have their meetings, and then uh, the meetings are generally on Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon, they'll present the results of the meeting. But they also uh, publish the meeting minutes about three weeks later. And there you get more discussion about uh, uh, what they were really talking about at this meeting, not just the general, just not just the final conclusion. In addition, uh, Cleveland Fed President uh, Loretta Metzger. Uh, has signaled that she would favor rate rises of three-quarters of a percent in each of the Fed's next two meetings because there hasn't been much progress on inflation. Quote, we can't let wishful thinking drive our policy decisions. Uh, She said that on October 6th. Also, uh, Kansas City Fed President Esther George uh, last week said she favored moving uh, steadier and slower on rate increases a, quote, a series of very supersized 
rate increases might cause you to oversteer and not be able to see those turning points, unquote. He said that at a webinar on October 14th. And Minneapolis's Fed uh, President, Neil Kashkari, uh, uh, he mentioned on Tuesday that, quote, uh, the problem for me with trying to say, hey, it's time to pause, is that we're not even sure we've got rates high enough to push service inflation down. So, unquote. So investors in, uh, apart from that, according to Bloomberg, investors in interest rate futures markets now expect the Fed to raise rates to 5% by the spring. That's according to the CME Group, which is short for the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Uh, last month, most uh, officials projected lifting rates to at least 46 next next year. So. I think there was the market reacted uh, positively this week. I think in anticipation that uh, news with regard to a, uh, a not a pivot but a, a slowdown of the interest rate increases. In addition to the federal funds, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, speech, uh, there was also concerns about missing the Santa Claus rally. Uh, you know, the idea that institutional investors, you know, uh, the fund managers, the money managers, uh, uh, the, the idea is that they seem to try to pump up their uh, uh, funds or their assets at year end, uh, possibly to get the biggest bonus they can, and they bid up the markets in uh, November and December. Uh you know, it's bonus time. So the case is, I think the case will be stronger in 2022 with midterm elections approaching. That should help. Since 1942, the final two months of the year have seen gains about 75% of the time. So it doesn't happen all the time, but uh, it's something to look for. Uh, The the urge to embrace a year-end rally, and they had a poll from the National Association of Active Investment Managers, uh, where big money allocators are boosting equity holdings at a rate rarely seen during uh, this year's bear market. That's according to uh, the Wall Street Journal article. And <clears throat> it might be the earnings. <laughs> you know, the economy is still strong. The, the, the companies are making money. Uh, so far, we've only seen the uh, earnings of about 20% of the standard of poor 500 companies, but about, of that 20%, 70% have exceeded their uh, estimates. So the economy is still strong. Workers are still in short supply. Wages are increasing at 5% per year. Consumers have money and they are spending. Consumer spending increased uh, four-tenths of one percent in August, and companies' earnings are still increasing on average, but not as fast as previously. So I remember in the first quarter, the uh, uh, the earnings of the uh, average earnings of the standard in poor 500 were approximately 10% above the um, a year earlier, and that came down in the second quarter, and now that in the third quarter, we haven't seen the actual numbers for the third quarter yet, but they should be uh, just above, uh, they should be increasing, but not by a great deal. Uh, the Federal Reserve interest rates, uh, uh, I- interest rate increases have slowed down the new home construction, uh, <clears throat> the uh, new residential construction is run into affordability issues. They've got increased mortgage rates. They went from the 30-year rates went from 3% uh, maybe a year and a half ago to close to 7% today. And also the increase in home prices, this has caused basically a shift from uh, single-family homes to uh, multifamily homes. And also you see an existing home sales. So... uh, the September sales uh, for existing homes slipped one and a half percent, and uh, from August and uh, 
September sales were down close to 24% from September a year earlier. We'll talk about both of those uh, later in the show about uh, new home construction as well as existing home sales. But when the uh, Federal Reserve has increased the interest rates at 30-year mortgage uh, rate is up now at close to 7%. And uh, uh, that's adding, that's slowing down uh, home sales considerably. uh, And it's also slowing down home construction. Home construction is is basically uh, trying to uh, protect itself by moving more towards multifamily multifamily housing away from uh, uh, single-family homes. And uh, in addition, the latest industrial production capacity utilization report uh, for September shows that industrial production in the United States was up four-tenths of a percent uh, for uh, August. And uh, if you take a look at the details of uh, where the where the the progress was made, uh, manufacturing, which is a big part of the industrial production, it's about seventy five percent, and then the mining and uh, utilities are the other twenty five percent. Industrial manufacturing was up about four tenths of one percent, with the durable goods manufacturing up the highest at uh, five tenths. At one percent, and non-durable goods down. Uh, they were still up, but it was three tenths of a percent. Mining was really up, but that was mostly, I think, uh, well, it's certainly mostly uh, fracking and also coal mining. They were up six tenths of a percent. Utilities basically were down three tenths of a percent in September. <clears throat> the capacity utilization has jumped up to eighty point three. Which is basically above the usual, above the average number for the last ten years, and uh, uh, you know the the uh, taking a look at different categories of uh, manufacturing in the Empire State Survey, the Philadelphia Survey, they basically shows that uh, uh, manufacturing is slowing down. In those particular in New York State and also along the Eastern Seaboard. So, uh, what you're seeing there is the the uh, economy is still strong, but it is slowing down now due to those uh, interest rate increases, particularly in three sectors. One's home construction, another one is home sales, and the other one is um, companies are uh, shelving. Uh, Capital uh, projects. You know, they're, they're looking at all the concerns about a possible recession and saying, well, uh, <clears throat> let's hold off on capital improvements projects until we see what happens to this recession, whether it really amounts to anything or not. So, uh, those are the three sectors that are mainly impacted by the interest rate so far. But uh, from what we've seen so far, the unemployment uh, is not in the unemployment benefit. Unemployment numbers are still uh, rock bottom or low numbers. So, uh, to me, there's, there's certainly not a recession going on there right now. But you know, let's see, time will tell. In the big picture, we look at the macro picture to find out what's happening to our investments. Uh, but in the in the big picture, it's really our whole financial plan, and investments are a small part of our small but important part of our financial plan. The important part of the financial plan is that you sit down and you uh, take a look at what your goals are and the, the what it takes to uh, uh, meet those goals. And uh, you can pretty much uh, sit down and figure out that you're going to retire someday and when you're going to retire. And uh, uh, then you can take a look and say, uh, uh, how am I going to exist? And what kind of nest egg am I going to have when I do retire to get me through another 25 years of retirement? 
with the help of Social Security. And then backing it up, and you got to say, okay, uh, let's go back to the beginning and say, uh, you started this with uh, 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 basically huge unrealized assets, and that is you're young, uh, you can give her, you were going to work for another 40, 50 years, and uh, uh, you had some experience, so these are totally, these are unrealized assets, and 40, 50 years later, all of the assets are, have turned into realized assets, like a house that's paid for, a retirement that's uh, secure, uh, the children's education, and the, the family has grown up with a good standard of living. So how did you get from 18 to uh, 95? So the idea is to put those goals on a piece of paper and identify them, and generally it's a, uh, uh, when you're young, it's a car and an apartment. As you get older, it's a uh, uh, family, and uh, uh, then the family requires a st- certain standard of living, which generally involves a house and uh, uh, children, and uh, then children are expensive, I see, also. <laughs> sorts of estimates of what it costs to raise a kid. Well, somehow we raise them. Uh, and uh, uh, it takes money to do that. And you, what you have to do is be the, um, <clears throat> the proprietor of your assets. You have to say, I've got so much income coming in the house and it has to be, we saved so much of it. And how do we save it? Uh, what's our savings plan? How do we portion our savings plan to meet our financial goals? How do we allocate the money for our standard of living in terms of the house, the family? Uh, uh, it costs money to run a house, particularly with children. And, and uh, uh, so you've got all these, you've got these sources of income and assets and then you've got all these liabilities in terms of what has to be funded, some for a long-term period, some for immediate uh, use. And uh, you have to have enough sense of, uh, about investments and uh, uh, have, enough to have enough discipline about savings to be able to build those savings to the point where they can meet your goals in the future. So... Uh, we talk about financial planning. That's basically what we're talking about. Investments are a part of that. That's the part where you save the money and put it somewhere, and now you're, you want it to grow at a certain rate. And uh, just like now, uh, you're running into dips in the uh, returns. So what looked like, uh, you know, when you take a look at the standard of poor 500 curve, and how it's done over the years, you see it rising like a mountain, but uh, there's dips in that mountain, and we're basically in one of them right now. So, but uh, these things don't last forever, and uh, uh, we come out of it, we'll get back to where we were before. So, uh, the important thing is that you have a plan, put together that plan, identify those assets, identify your savings plan, stick with it and modify it, or at least go back to it, like go back to your roadmap, your plan, and make sure that you're on the right path and use that to guide your, you know, your uh, uh, big expenses. If you ever get the idea that, oh, I need another vacation, I need a vacation home, or I need a boat or something like that, you can always take a look at your plan and say, uh, what are you going to give up to get that? Are you going to give up the kids' education? Are you going to give up the races for the for the girls? What are you going to do? So it brings you back to that <clears throat> that path to your goals. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, we have a toll-free number. You can call us. It's 1-888-281-1110. That number again is one. 
Speedway 11110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You could give us a call. We have this toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Hi, Jim. Yes, Colleen. It's Colleen. Um, Maureen gave us a call during the break, and she's got a question she would love some insight on. Um, She's 62 years old and thinking of signing up for Social Security. Um, and she has her own work record and paying into Social Security. But her ex-husband made a lot more money than she did. And Maureen's sister told her that she should ask Social Security if she's entitled to any of his benefits. And Maureen wants to know, is her sister correct? Uh, yes, if there's, there's a stipulation there. The critical number is 10 years. You know, the the law says that if you're married to this guy for at least 10 years, you you're potentially due benefits from his Social Security. So uh, what you'll do is uh, talk to the Social Security people. Uh, in fact, uh, the best thing to do is not do it over the phone, but actually make a uh, appointment and go down and talk to a person. You'll be talking to an experienced uh, Social Security counselor, and they'll have all your information at their computer. And uh, the first thing they'll, if you talk to them about signing up for Social Security, the first thing they'll do is uh, look at your record, and uh, then they'll also look at your ex-husband's record. And uh, the critical thing is that if you if the marriage lasted at least 10 years, then you do have access to uh, benefits from his record. And one important distinction, uh, <laughs> as a divorced person, you uh, you have even better benefits than if you were married to them. Uh, important distinction between benefits paid to a divorced uh, person versus a married person is the... Uh, a married woman cannot get any benefits on her husband's account until he has signed up for Social Security himself. However, a divorced woman can get benefits from her ex, even if he isn't getting anything himself. So he just he, he just has to be old enough to be eligible for benefits, which means that he has to be at least 62 years old. But again, he doesn't have to be on Social Security benefits uh, for you to uh, claim uh, uh, benefits on his account. And whether you apply on your own record or his, your benefits uh, uh, in, it will be reduced by not waiting to your full retirement age. In other words, if you're eligible for benefits, you're 62, and you go to 62, and you can uh, claim be- uh, spousal benefits, but the farther you are away from your full retirement age, uh, they'll give you about uh, 6% per year 
So if you go at uh, uh, if your full retirement age is, let's say, 66, and there's some months and you go at 62, uh, uh, you can claim half of his retirement uh, benefits, but they'll reduce it uh, because you're not the uh, full retirement age yourself yet. So, And that'll knock off about, what's four times six? That'll knock off about 24% uh, of the uh, benefits that you do. The other and you the the other big benefit, perhaps the bigger benefit is uh, if you have if you compare your benefits to his to half to his, his spousal benefits. In other words, your benefits you're entitled to your benefits, and then they'll compare it and they say, well, the spousal benefit uh, if he's still alive is half of his. Um, uh, benefits, uh, but if he's passed on, then you're you're talking now about a survivor benefit, and uh, uh, if you're over a full retirement age, your survivor benefit will be a hundred percent of your ex's full benefit, even if he's remarried. You know all the things that I'm I'm talking about here is, as regardless of, of what he's done or what he whether he's married or not now. In other words, it's not taking anything away from him. It's not taking anything away from his new spouse. It's uh, the Social Security law says that you have spousal benefits and you have survivor benefits on your uh, uh, ex as long as uh, the marriage lasted 10 years. And uh, uh, basically... uh, you're not married. So, uh, um, you got any other questions, uh, Maureen? Just uh, give me a call back and we'll talk some more. Okay, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's 1 888 281 1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, one of the things we're talking about uh, previously uh, in the big picture, in the uh, uh, macro picture, is basically home construction and also home sales. And uh, one thing you're seeing right now is that basically this uh, increase in the interest rates has caused the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage uh, to move up from 3%, which was uh, typical about a year and a quarter ago, uh, to now it's something like uh, close to 7%. So that's slowing down home construction. And the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, they keep track of new home construction, and they have a monthly uh, report called New Residential Construction. And uh, for September, uh, the data for September was mixed. Uh, September housing starts dropped uh, 8.1% uh, from August, and they were down 7.7% from a year ago. And while building permits uh, eased up 1.4% uh, from August. So the starts are the most important part of it. They tell you that. Uh, it, it starts with construction, and we're talking when we talk about construction, we're talking about uh, single family as well as multifamily. And if you, uh, what you're seeing nowadays is that the affordability issues, uh, the increase in the home prices, increase in the uh, interest rates, all of that is putting pressure on. Uh, uh, that uh, monthly uh, uh, monthly mortgage payment, and uh, uh, that's causing people to deviate more from the single family home more to the multifamily. 
So if we take a look at the starts uh, September uh, versus August uh, this year, the single-family starts went down 4.7%, and uh, the, uh, the... Okay, let's talk about a year ago. Let's talk about September uh, of this year versus September a year ago. What you see is that for single families, the starts are down 18.5%, but the multifamily, the starts are up 16.5%. So there you're seeing that, hey, uh, we're going from the single family to the multifamily. Um, and uh, let's see, year to date. Let's talk about year to date and uh, the starts uh, for the single family. Uh, the starts for the uh, single-family home are down 5.6%. The multifamily home, the starts are up 17.5% so far this year. And uh, in terms of actual numbers, uh, based upon uh, year-to-date, uh, year-to-date, the single-family home starts were 860900 last year. This year, they're at 812,300. Multifamily last year starts with 342,200. This year, they're 402,000. So basically, what you're seeing is a, a single family starts uh, uh, down 5.6%, and the multifamily starts are up 17.5%. Uh, so basically, what you're seeing is that the, the uh, home construction industry is really having a difficult time right now. Uh, I've, I've basically seen articles where they talk about the, uh, the big uh, construction outfits are talking to the hedge funds about uh, selling uh, houses for rental. In other words, it, it, I think uh, Blackstone did this in 2000. 11 or 12, they started buying uh, houses for rent. Uh, they would buy them. And, you know, the housing market was down in 2011. They would purchase housing. And these weren't, these weren't fixer-uppers. They weren't flipping houses. They were actually buying houses and setting up an organization to be the landlord of these houses. So now the, the builders are talking to these uh, uh, private equity firms about uh, uh, buying houses in bulk uh, for rental. So, uh, did we have a, Colleen, did we have a question? We did. did we have, um, Ken gave us a call. He did not want to go on the air, but he's got a, qu a great question. He's going to piggyback off of Maureen's about Social Security benefits. Um, he wants to know what if you're not married, you don't have a marriage license, you've been living together for more than 20 years, um, he wants to know if the uh, your common law spouse would be um, able to uh, get your Social Security benefits as well as um, a government pension. Okay. Uh, uh, I really couldn't answer. I really, really couldn't give the, uh, the gentleman a, a correct answer on this. I think I could give you some advice, though in terms of uh, if you want good information with regard to Social Security, just give the Social Security uh, office a call, make an appointment, go down there and talk to these people about uh, what the rules and regulations for your specific instance are. In other words, uh, they certainly have telephone services where they can even talk to somebody over the telephone, but that person really doesn't have access to your particular circumstance. And uh, uh, what you want to do is, is uh, talk, to, talk to somebody uh, with some uh, accuracy and some credibility in terms of uh, your particular case. So give them a call, make an appointment, take the time, go down there. You're talking about a fairly big benefit so you want to know whether it's there or it's not there. And uh, uh, I haven't run into a particular case like yours in my practice, so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to wig it 
and uh, uh, give you some information. The good information is give the people a call, go down there and talk to them. And uh, when you do talk to them, make sure when you leave the, leave the meeting with them that you have the telephone number, the name and telephone number of the person you talk to because if you're anything like me, on the way home, you're thinking about other questions you should have asked um, so that you can call back in again and uh, not go through the uh, having to set up a, another appointment. So I hope I was helpful to you. Uh, make that phone call and go down there and talk with us. This is Jim McAleese. If you're listening to Get Rich Slow, you can give us a call. The toll-free number is one 281 1110 Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, one of the things that uh, is being impacted uh, by these interest rates is the existing home sales. Now, uh, for home sales information, you always go to the National Association of of Realtors. And uh, according to their report for September, existing home sales, which uh, basically are completed, uh, transactions as opposed to uh, offers for acceptance. In other words, when you, when you go buy a house, uh, you negotiate the price, but then you uh, uh, reach an agreement on the price. But it's always subject to uh, finances and uh, getting the finance for the house and also for inspections and stuff like this. Uh, this is not what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about the actual transaction itself, where, hey, the money has changed hands in the escrow account. Somebody's got a deed and somebody has the money. So that's a completed transaction, and that's what we're talking about here. And We're, we're talking about completed transactions that include single-family homes, townhouses, condominiums, and co-ops. And uh, the sales... Uh, uh, Sales were down 1.5% from August and uh, 23.8% from uh, September a year ago. And according to the chief economist uh, for the uh, National Association of Realtors, that's Lawrence Young, he said, quote, the housing sector continues to undergo an adjustment due to the continuous rise in interest rates, which eclipsed 6% for 30-year fixed mortgages in September and are now approaching 7%. Uh, Expensive regions of the country are especially feeling the pinch and seeing large declines in sales. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, the number of homes for sales is still limited. If I take a look at the total housing inventory registered at the end of September, they had had 1.25 million uh, homes for sale, uh, which is down only 2.3% from August and uh, up eight-tenths of a percent from the previous year. So if you take a look at the unsold inventory, uh, there's approximately 3.2 months of supply at the current uh, sales pace, and that was unchanged from August. And uh, then Lawrence Young did note that, uh, quote, Despite weaker sales, uh, multiple offers are still occurring with more than a quarter of homes selling above their list price due to limited inventory. Uh, The current lack of supply 
underscores the vast contrast with the major, with the previous major market downturn from 2008 to 2010, where inventory levels were four times higher than they are today. And uh, even with the uh, even with this fixed uh, mortgage rates, the median existing home price for all housing types in September was three hundred eighty four thousand eight hundred dollars, and that was a eight point four percent jump from September a year earlier. And uh, basically, uh, anywhere in the United States, prices had been rising even as sales had been decreasing. Uh, but it was the third month in a row, however, that the median uh, uh, sales price faded after reaching a record high of 413800 in June, the usual seasonal trend of prices trailing off after the peaking in the early uh, summer. So basically what you're seeing is that prices are still rising, uh, but they're not rising as fast as they have in previous years. Like uh, um, since the start of the year, the prices were up 8.4. I remember they used to be up 15%. And uh, also, the houses are still moving fast, and properties typically remained on the market for 19 days in September, and that was up uh, from 16 days in August. And the first-time home buyers are still in the market. They're responsible for 29% of the sales in September, and that was unchanged from August. And uh, uh, sales have basically slowed uh, with the increase in the mortgage interest rate. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association, the average uh, uh, yeah, the average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage uh, with conforming paper and a loan-to-value of 80% is 6.94% with uh, uh, close to um, uh, 0.95% points, including the origination fee. So it's basically closing in on 7% right now, according to the uh, uh, Mortgage Bankers Association. And if you take a look at uh, uh, single-family homes, just focusing on single-family homes in September, uh, sales were down nine-tenths of a percent from August and 23% from the previous year. And the median single-family home price was $391,000 in September, and that was up 8.1% from September a year ago. Uh, the uh, uh, condos, uh, condo sales were down 5.8 percent uh, in September, down 30 percent from a year earlier. And if you take a look at what's happening in the Midwest, uh, existing home sales in the Midwest uh, sales slid 1.7 percent from August, and they fell 19.7 percent from a year ago. Uh, median median price in the Midwest. Uh, was 281500 and that was up uh, 6.9% from the previous year. And uh, everywhere you look at the, uh, the country, what you're seeing is sales were down 1.6% in the Northeast, 1.9% in the South, and 0% in the uh, West. So, And the prices of uh, uh, the sales from a year ago in the Northeast, they were down something like uh, 18%. Down in the South, down 24%. In the West, they were down uh, 31%. So um, basically what you're seeing is that uh, the uh, homes are selling, uh, but they're selling at a slower rate, and the home prices are not increasing as fast as they are increasing but they're not increasing as fast as they as they did before. So uh, it, <laughs> it will, the big question is, uh, uh, will the interest rates go down again? And the, question, and the answer to that, I think, is unknown. 
right now. Uh, what you're going to see is the interest rates, I think, will continue up for a while. Uh, how long they're going to stay up, uh, and nobody really knows. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. What a wonderful, wonderful world this could be. What a wonderful, 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 wonderful Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. The spell of the beautiful weather that we've been having lately reminds me of how much I love October. When the sun shines on the beautiful yellows and crimsons and scarlets, when you're looking at the oaks and the maples and the chestnuts, could anything be more beautiful? Most of the farmers around my way have their crops out of the fields. It was exciting to see their huge machinery and all their activity. But now it's quiet over the land and the beauty of nature makes me stop, relax, and I guess become a little philosophical. I was looking at a magazine recently and read an article and struck a chord with it. It went, I've learned that no matter what happens or how bad it seems today, life does go on and it does get better tomorrow. I've learned that you can tell a person a lot about a person by the way they handle three things. One is a rainy day, two is lost luggage, and three is the tangled Christmas tree life. I've learned that regardless of your relationship with your parents, you'll miss them when they're gone for your life. I, I've learned that making a living is not the same thing as making a life. I've learned that life sometimes gives you second chances. I've learned that you sh- shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw some things back. I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pain, I do not have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. You may encounter many defeats, but you must never be defeated. Do the best you can until you know better, and then you know better, do better. So, happiness is a chance to talk to a friend, to hear good music, to have a good glass of wine. And until we meet again next week for more of Get This Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.